And now a look at local and statewide news. The Kodiak City Council has one public hearing and a number of resolutions on tonight's regular meeting agenda. KMXT's Maggie Wall has more. The Kodiak City Council will hold a public hearing tonight on an ordinance authorizing a 25-year lease with Island Air for parcels at the Trident Basin float plane facility. According to the meeting packet, the request for the lease comes about because of a merger between Island Air and Andrew Airways. Two small parcels are used for aircraft fueling tanks and two larger parcels are used for flight crew and customers. The annual market value of the lease is estimated to be nearly $24,000. A number of resolutions and other authorizations are also on tonight's agenda. Two are fisheries related. The first would adopt an alternative method for distributing the state's raw fish tax, which is collected at the dock when fish are landed. The other fisheries item is a resolution which appoints John Whidden to the Kodiak Fisheries Development Association. Whidden is a Kodiak City Council member and previously managed Island Seafoods on Shelikoff Strait. Other items, which come under new business, include a resolution changing the rules of the council, a lease with Verizon Wireless, and paying Golden Alaska Excavating for an equipment operator at the snow dump. Tonight's meeting begins at 7.30 in the Borough Assembly Chambers. KMXT will be broadcasting it live. For KMXT, I'm Maggie Wall. What is the future of salmon in a warming world? Recent research indicates that extreme warm temperatures are something turning Alaska's salmon streams into unfriendly, even lethal habitats. KYUK's Joanna Urich reports that while Alaskan scientists are just beginning to study the impact of warmer temperatures on salmon streams, it is already a familiar reality for many Canadian fish biologists. Warming temperatures in the Fraser River in British Columbia have long been known to hurt and even kill sockeye salmon. It's been studied for decades. And Vanessa Von Bila, a biologist with the Federal Alaska Science Center, told those attending the Alaska Marine Science Symposium last month that a small increase in river temperatures on the Fraser can mean a lot less salmon spawning. More than half of a salmon run can die in the river. That's a combination of the in-route mortality and that pre-spawn mortality where they die on the spawning ground. The fish that survived the tanks showed changes in both genetic markers and proteins at the various temperatures. This allowed her to create a way to measure heat stress in Yukon Kings. And those salmon tended to look healthy other than the fact that they were dead. Von Bila tested Yukon King salmon for six hours in water that was 14 degrees Celsius or 57 degrees Fahrenheit, all the way up to 21 degrees, which is 69.8 degrees Fahrenheit. And we certainly felt that the fish in the 21 degree treatment were stressed in fact, that was the only treatment where we had mortality, and about half of the fish that we put into that treatment did die. The fish that survived the tanks showed changes in both genetic markers and proteins at the various temperatures. This allowed her to create a way to measure heat stress in Yukon Kings. And that is sort of our small experimental set that allows us to classify all the other fish we catch through the drainage. Now all Von Bila needed was to get water temperatures up the river and some fish tissue from the catch to sample. The samples were easy to get 
the water temperatures were not. The State Fish and Game Department monitors water temperatures at the mouth of the Yukon, and that water is relatively cool when the fish are starting the run up the river in June. She needed temperatures in July from the middle of the Yukon River's main stem, where kings are swimming through to spawning grounds. Von Bila found the data she needed at a fish wheel. This is data from the middle Yukon River. This is Stan Zeray's data. He uh, is a citizen scientist and a subsistence fisher who has a fish wheel. And he spent several years attaching a tidbit data logger to his fish wheel and gathering these data. The fish wheel showed water temperatures higher than 64 degrees Fahrenheit for extended periods of time, but nothing as high as the 69.8 or 21C top range she had tested fish for. Working with a host of collaborators, Von Bila gathered data from Yukon River fish in 2016 and 2017. They found plenty of evidence of heat stress in the 477 fish they sampled. Because 2016 was a little cooler than 2017, they could document what that change meant to the king salmon like here at the Rapids River Fish Wheel where in 2016 in the cooler year only 18% of the fish showed evidence of heat stress but then in 27 where it was warmer and the warmth was more prolonged we had 97% of fish be classified with our heat stress. That stress was there even though the fish wheel never showed temperatures as high as 21C during the two-year study. But Von Bila also points out that that kind of heat did occur at the Andreski River, a tributary of the lower Yukon. And in 2016, we even had temperatures exceed 21 degrees Celsius, and the weir crew there did see those outward signs that fish were struggling and lethargic, and they actually, about a third of the season, they didn't even handle fish for age, sex, length, um, uh, because they didn't want to have any additional stress. And here at this site in 2016, we estimate that 98% of the fish that were handled had evidence of heat stress. Vanessa Von Bila says her research indicates that fish managers may want to reconsider a fundamental assumption, that letting salmon swim by fishing nets necessarily means they'll make more. In 2019, some salmon failed to spawn, dying with full egg sacs on the spawning grounds. So we can no longer think that escapement always is a successful spawner. To manage in the new warmer reality, Alaskan biologists could look toward their Canadian colleagues who use real-time water temperature data to manage the Fraser River sockeye fishery. For KYUK, this is Johanna Urich. A bill to launch a lottery in Alaska was introduced in the legislature yesterday. Governor Mike Dunleavy requested the bill, which would create a new state corporation to oversee the lottery. The corporation's board would ultimately decide what lottery games are offered in the state, but the lottery could include games like Powerball, instant scratch-off games, and video lottery terminals. 
Officials estimate the lottery would cost $3 million to launch next year. It would break even the following year, and it would start adding to state revenue in 2023. Preliminary estimates for revenue generated by the lottery depend on which games are offered. The draw games, like Powerball, are estimated to raise roughly $5 million a year. The instant games, like Scratch-Offs, would add another $25 to $35 million, and video lottery terminals could lead to total revenue of more than $100 million. Alaska Chief Justice Joel Bolger assured the legislature on Wednesday in his State of the Judiciary Address that the state's courts remain independent. The court system will continue to do our work independently of any outside political interests or financial influences so that the public can continue to be certain that each court decision is fair and impartial. The judiciary's independence has been the subject of two high-profile cases. Both are in response to Governor Mike Dunleavy's decision to veto more than $300,000 from the court's budgets because he disagreed with court rulings on public fundings of abortions. He said the veto amount equaled the cost of the abortions. The American Civil Liberties Union of Alaska and two residents sued Dunleavy, saying the action violated the separation of powers between the executive and judicial branches of government. The issue is also one of four grounds listed in the application to recall Dunleavy from office. Bolger didn't directly address either case. In his remarks to the legislature, he said the courts are handling more felony cases than five years ago, and they're doing it with fewer court employees. Simply put, we have fewer resources than we used to, but there has unfortunately been no corresponding moratorium on crimes being committed. Uh, no decrease in the rate of child abuse and neglect, no lower divorce rate, and no decline in the need for justice to be dispensed. The courts are asking for three new employees to help with the workload. Bolger was a former Superior Court judge here in Kodiak. Alaskans who want to participate in the primary this year will have to be registered Democrats. State Republicans canceled their primary in support of President Trump. State Democrats are making some changes to their process. Alaska's Democratic nominee has always been decided by caucuses. This year, voters will mail in ranked-choice votes. Casey Steinow, Alaska's Democratic Party chair, sat down with KHNS's Claire Strempel to explain. Um, although caucusing was a, always a wonderful opportunity to, to hear from uh, your neighbors, it was really um, not as inclusive as a ballot if you were a person who, for instance, worked that particular day that there was a caucus. Well, you weren't allowed to participate. And if you were someone who was working up on the slope or you were out of state for the winter, whatever it might be, um, it eliminated your ability to participate. Um, it also, when we start looking at the villages and our remote communities, there just weren't locations. It just didn't happen. So by opening this up to this um, different format, we believe that it empowers folks um, from across um, social spectrums, across the state, uh, regard disregarding economic systems, and just allowing everyone the ability to participate. So tell me a little bit about ranked choice for people who who are sitting at home thinking, I've never done this before. Sure. So it's the idea is that you uh, you'll take you'll take a look at your ballot and will say, hey, okay, so pick your first choice. And then pick your second choice, and you get up to five choices that you can make. 
And let's say that your first candidate, candidate A, your first choice, doesn't make the threshold, in this particular case it's a 15% threshold, then your first choice will then be removed and your second choice will be applied. So it helps kind of willow out those folks to get to a common number. Once they have 15%, once they've made threshold, that candidate becomes viable and will get a delegate to the national convention. Ranked choice voting is experiencing a little bit of a renaissance nationwide uh, main switch to ranked choice this year. And after the caucus, a complicated caucus situation in in Iowa, um, people have been giving it a second look. But there are some some critics of ranked choice voting uh, who say that it, it complicates the process. They say that complication can be a barrier to voter turnout. What what would you say to that criticism? I, I have no reason to think it would be a barrier to voter turnout. We're doing everything we can to uh, encourage folks to come out. And I think people knowing that sometimes they have a support for a candidate who hasn't gotten full mainstream support. Maybe their, their candidate is quote, out-of-the-box person or somebody who hasn't quite gotten to that high, high level, it gives them an opportunity to cast that vote and not feel like they would, quote, be throwing that vote away. Um, So I think it absolutely encourages people to know that that matters, to give those folks their voice in the public, and I think it makes a big difference. So I would say it actually encourages participation. Registered Alaska Democrats will receive their ballots in late February, Last chance in-person voting will take place April 4th at polling locations across the state. Support for KMXT's Midday Report is provided by Artinger's Fine Furnishings. Featuring children's clothing from the tea collection, home spa items from Crabtree and Evelyn, and leather handbags by Dooney and Burke. Special orders of the tea collection clothing in your child's size always welcome at Artinger's. 486-5554. This is Alaska Fish Radio. I'm Lainey Welch. Dungeness crab breaks records in southeast, while a red flag waves further south. More after this. The Alaska Marine Safety Education Association is offering drill conductor training in Kodiak on February 28th and 29th. Sign on at amc.org. Integrated Marine Systems is the leader in marine refrigeration in Alaska. Visit imspacific.com. 200 fishermen in southeast Alaska will share a record $16.3 million payday for the Dungeness crab they hauled up from combined summer and winter fisheries, which just wrapped up last month. Crabbers fishing primarily around Petersburg and Wrangell landed 5.3 million pounds of dungies for this season, the third highest catch, and at an average $3.07 a pound, the most valuable ever. Yeah, it was pretty awesome that we broke that record. Adam Mesmer is a shellfish biologist with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. Speaking to KFSK in Petersburg, he said the high Dungeness harvest means the crab stock is staying healthy. He added that the timing of the fishery also works well. We didn't have a whole lot of soft shell. Soft shell crab means they've recently molted and can't be retained for market. 
Meanwhile, some grim news for Dungeness crab has surfaced that reveals impacts of increased ocean acidity. Results from NOAA's Pacific Marine Environmental Lab in California show for the first time that dungies in their natural environment are showing signs of damaged shells and legs in tiny developing crabs. And more surprisingly, the loss of hair-like sensory bristles that stick out from their shells and help the crabs navigate their environment. Prior to this study, scientists thought Dungeness crab were not vulnerable to current levels of ocean acidification. The study was published last month in the journal Science of the Total Environment. Find links at alaskafishradio.com. Fish Radio is also brought to you by Ocean Beauty Seafoods. In Kodiak, I'm Lainey Welch. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Welcome to this noon edition of the Island Messenger. It's 31 degrees and fair in Kodiak today. This afternoon, mostly sunny with a high near 32. Northwest winds around 5 miles per hour becoming calm. Tonight, some snow mainly after midnight. Lows around 27 and an 80% chance of precipitation. About an inch or two of snow accumulation possible. On Friday, snow before 9 a.m., then some scattered snow mainly between 9 a.m. and noon. Highs near 35 degrees and northwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming light and variable in the afternoon. An 80% chance of precipitation and less than an inch of snow possible. Friday night, mostly cloudy and a low around 28. In Homer today, it's 28 degrees and fair. This afternoon, sunny with a high near 27 and north winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. And 16 degrees in Anchorage, mostly cloudy up there. This afternoon, sunny with a high near 21. North winds around 5 miles per hour becoming calm. Tonight should be mostly clear in Anchorage with a low around 1 degree. North winds around 5 miles per hour. Friday, partly sunny in Anchorage, a high near 16. And Friday night, mostly cloudy, a low around 10. Looking at the marine forecast for today, from Marmot Island to Sikonak, there's a gale warning today. Northwest winds at 35 knots, diminishing to west 25 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 18 feet, subsiding to 13 feet in the afternoon. Tonight, west winds of 25 knots after midnight. Winds south 15 knots in the evening north of Dangerous Cape. Northeast winds after midnight with seas at 8 feet, rain and snow. Uh, in Chiniac Bay today, northwest winds of 20 knots becoming north 10 knots in the afternoon, seas at 2 feet. Tonight, variable winds of less than 10 knots becoming north 10 knots after midnight, seas at 3 feet with snow. Marmot Bay has a small craft advisory today. Northwest winds of 25 knots diminishing to 10 knots in the afternoon, seas at 4 feet with freezing spray. And tonight, variable winds of less than 10 knots becoming north 10 knots after midnight with seas at 2 feet and snow. Shalikoff Strait has a small craft advisory through tonight. Today, west winds of 25 knots becoming northeast 15 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 8 feet, subsiding to 4 feet in the afternoon with freezing spray. Tonight in Shalikoff Strait, northeast winds of 25 knots with seas at 7 feet, freezing spray, and snow. West of the Barren Islands, including Kamishak Bay, a gale warning today. Northwest winds of 40 knots becoming north 25 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 15 feet, subsiding to 10 feet in the afternoon with freezing spray. Tonight, northeast winds of 25 knots with seas at 8 feet and freezing spray. East of the Barren Islands, a gale warning today. Northwest winds of 35 knots with seas at 17 feet with freezing spray. And tonight, west winds of 15 knots in the evening becoming variable 10 knots with seas at 9 feet. 
Today's the 13th of February. Sunrise this morning was at 8.46 a.m. Sunset tonight will be at 6.04 p.m. That's 9 hours and 18 minutes of daylight, which is 4 minutes 46 seconds more than we got yesterday. The record high on this day was 51 degrees in 1927. The record low was negative 4 in 1972. Looking at our tides for today, high tide for Kodiak will be at 4.56 p.m., 8.17 feet. Low tide is going out at 11.01 p.m., 0.05 feet. Over on the west side, high tide is at 5.34 p.m., 18.72 feet. Excuse me, low tide will be out at 11.37 p.m., negative 0.40 feet. Let's take a look at what's ahead for the Alaska Fisheries Report this week. Gulf of Alaska cod could soon lose its blue certified sustainable level label, which has proven to be an incentive for consumers to purchase the fish. The reason's got nothing to do with fishermen, it's more on climate change. Warming waters are depleting stocks, and depleted stocks put the fishery at risk. Also this week, the heart-wrenching story of the sinking of the fishing vessel Scandies Rose. We hear from one of the survivors about how the boat sank, how he escaped, and how hard it was to watch his fellow crew members not get out of the boat before it sank. A warning, that story is not for the faint of heart and may be especially disturbing to those of you who have gone down in a boat or lost someone on a fishing vessel. All that coming up on this week's edition of the Alaska Fisheries Report. The Alaska Fisheries Report is produced here at KMXT. You can listen to it on Thursdays at 9.17 a.m., Fridays at 5.20 p.m. during the evening news, and on Saturdays at 12.15 during the midday report. Let's take a look at community announcements for today. The Kodiak Historical Society is partnering with the City of Kodiak to establish a Historic Preservation Commission to encourage and further the interests of historic preservation by identifying, protecting, and interpreting the municipality's significant cultural and historic resources for the economic and social benefit of the community. To best represent our diverse community, the Kodiak Historical Society is recruiting commission members with varied experiences and backgrounds. They're seeking to have committee members from Alaska Native, Asian, Latinx, uh, excuse me, Latinx, South Pacific Islander, African American, and other minority communities, as well as individuals with experience in architecture, design, history, real estate, construction, or cultural matters relevant to Kodiak's history. Interested individuals can contact Sarah Harrington at 486-5920 or email director at kodiakhistorymuseum.org. There will be opportunities for public comment and involvement in the process of forming the commission. The Kodiak Island Borough Assembly is having a work session today at 6.30 p.m. in the School District Conference Room. Kodiak City Council is holding a regular council meeting today at 7.30 in the Borough Assembly Chambers, 710 Mill Bay Road. That meeting is open to the public and will be broadcast live on KMXT. Today at the Public Library at 3.30 p.m. is After School Science. Stop by the Craft Room to participate in fun and surprising science. Children under 10 must be accompanied by an adult. Tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. at the library is Spanish Storytime. Children 5 to 8 are welcome to enjoy Spanish songs, stories, crafts, and games. And on Monday, February 17th, the library will be closed for President's Day. Regular hours resume Tuesday, February 18th at 10 a.m. Friday is the next installment of this season of Galley Tables. The theme is For Better or Worse. There will be seven storytellers, each given seven minutes to tell their story. A $5 suggested donation at the door. Doors open at 7 and the show starts at 7.30 at the Kodiak Harbor Convention Center. Sign up to tell your story at galleytables.com or email galleytables at gmail.com. 
Kodiak Hospital Auxiliary is having a meeting on Saturday, February 15th at 10 a.m. in the PKIMC cafeteria. They welcome members of the public to attend to learn about the Kodiak Hospital Auxiliary. If you are a boater, hiker, hunter, or fisherman and you own a GPS, or you would just like to learn about how to use one, the Coast Guard Auxiliary can help. GPS for Mariners is a two-hour seminar course that will help you learn to navigate the world around you using modern GPS technology. While this course focuses on the equipment typically owned by the recreational boater, the material is useful for a variety of applications, including hiking, hunting, fishing, geocaching, and even driving in unfamiliar areas. If you own a handheld GPS, you're encouraged to bring it to class. Saturday, February 15th from 4 to 6 p.m., at the KIBSD Central Services Conference Room F140. And for more information, contact Lyle Refier at 654-4875 or email lrefier, that's R-E-F-I-O-R, at gmail.com. Kodiak Island Big Year Challenge is a chance for Kodiak birders of all skill levels to celebrate a year of birding. Participants must find as many bird species as possible here in Kodiak Island's eBird region during 2020. Kodiak Audubon is offering bird walks and workshops throughout the year, plus monthly prizes. To be eligible for a grand prize, you must reach one of two levels, 50 birds for newbies or 100 birds for experienced birders. Participants are required to log their checklists into eBird. You can set up an account on eBird.org. To enter Kodiak's 2020 Big Year Challenge, please email the following information to kodiakaudubon at gmail.com. Your name, your eBird username, your experience level, and indicate that you've paid your $5 registration fee via the Kodiak Audubon store. The contest begins January 1st, continues through December 31st, 2020. All participants must submit their bird list to eBird no later than January 6th, 2021 to be eligible. And that's all I have for you for today. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the midday report at 12.20, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org. Thank you.